White Sox fans, Alyssa Bergamini, your in-game host for your Chicago White Sox, and you are watching the best podcast on the south side of Chicago, South Burbs Hitman. Make sure you tune in. You're listening to the Ballroom Network. The following program is intended for all audiences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Steven Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us at section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen. That ball hit deep. Way back, you can hit on the board. Yes, Jimenez in the air, left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks, Uribe charges, throws out, and the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei, yes, yes, yes. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to South Burbs Hitmen. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mandel, and I'm joined by my White Sox brothers in arms. I'm talking Steven Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. Gentlemen, before we bring on our guest host for tonight, I just want to see how you guys are doing. I know the Sox have been playing well, but they still can't gain any ground. Vinny Parisi, we can start with you. Yeah, what's going on, everyone? I hope everybody's having a great night. Happy Monday to you, Chris, Zim, Joe. I love all three of you very much. I'm excited for today's show. The White Sox are 13-6 and in their last 19 games, and they've lost ground in the division because the Cleveland Guardians have just absolutely dominated the Minnesota Twins and the Los Angeles Angels, respectively. Um, it gets a little bit more difficult for the Guardians coming up here because they play the White Sox. I believe they have the Tampa Bay Rays coming up next week after that. So 
you know, I don't know if, how it's going to end. It's going to be crazy to the finish, but it all starts with this huge series. I'm a little nervous because I kind of think you have to sweep in order to have a chance because if you win two out of three, you're, you're three games out with 12 games left. Very difficult to come back from that, especially when the Guardians end the year with six straight against the Royals. So I'm feeling nervous. There's no doubt about it. It's the biggest series of the year. So that's my whole takeaway from this thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Steven Zimmerman in uh, five words or less. How do you feel the last week of the season? No words, no words at all. Just sigh. There's there's my less than five words. <clears throat> I like it. I like the gravel. You sound like Batman. You get Harvey Dent. <laughs> Finny got me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what to really say there other than just Vinny summed it up really, really nicely there. It's, it's an uphill battle for sure. <laughs> Gonzo, before we bring on Eric, first off, how you doing, buddy? You, you're looking handsome as ever. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, but you, you got to take the, every time you go to talk, it's like, it's like you're pulling a holster out of your pocket. Uh, yeah. I'm just, Oh, the nerves are uh, breaking through me. I mean, we got, Four games out of the division, like you said, crucial three games versus Cleveland. And, I mean, as much as the Sox stayed in it last week, I mean, there's two games, that second game versus Colorado and that first game versus Detroit that you're just hoping that they would have stole just to make it a little bit closer here. Um, but, yeah, hey, they did what they had to do versus that one game in Cleveland. Um, we're going to get to that down the stretch here of the show. But they did what they had to do uh, to make – to keep them in it for this week. And uh, they have a lot of work to do because uh, twins definitely didn't help us out at all in that series versus Cleveland. So um, to say the least, yeah, I mean, Cleveland does have that stretch in Kansas city, but and that is a young Kansas city team that is uh, really pesky lately. So hopefully they help us out a little bit there, but I mean, after this series, you do have a tough series versus San Diego, you know, out in San Diego, that's a team that's fighting for the wild card positioning there. And that's out here by me. And uh, that's, that's going to be a, a very tough matchup on the road, but certainly doable. Certainly doable is right. Gonzo appreciate your thoughts there, but speaking of is that are certainly doable. No, this is a, ter a terrible transition, <laughs> but we're, we're going to bring on our special guest. Of course, uh, uh, we're going to play that one back for a long time, boys. Um, here's our special guest, of course. He's from the Rays Juke Joint Podcast, one of the hosts. Let's welcome Eric Wilson, gentlemen. Eric, we can't thank you enough for being with us tonight, man. I appreciate it. Being called doable is one of the best things I've heard in a long time, so I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to work on something there, and it just didn't come out right. So, hey, at least now we can say – now you can say that we called you doable on the South Burst Men podcast. Yeah, beautiful. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. We're off to a roaring start, boys. <laughs> but, uh, Eric, of course, you know, from Ray's Juke Joint, you like to talk numbers and stats. And, of course, you know, this White Sox team has been unbelievable. You could say they've been unbelievable pretty much for like the last two and a half weeks or so, playing really good baseball. Uh, the Guardians playing better baseball. Uh, how are you feeling? What are you seeing from this team? And do you think we have a shot to make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, just to dive in a little bit, you know, you guys at the beginning, like what's interesting this year 
is there's no such thing as game 163. It all comes down to the tiebreaker. So if the Sox yeah. only win two out of three, you're three back, you might as well put a half on that. You got to make up four games with 12 to go. Now, yeah. if the White Sox do sweep, they're really only a half game back. Because if we finish in a tie, the Sox will win the division. So I don't think we can emphasize the importance of this series enough. Um, you know, we'll have our three best pitchers going, you know, or whatever, Cease, Lynn, and Cueto. Um, I think they've put up the stats since August 15th-ish. The Sox are leading like an OPS, leading the homers, like up there and run scored. It's the offense that's been missing, you know, for the entire year. Um, you know, there's several reasons for that. I know we'll get into that some, but do I think they have enough? Yes. Can they get it done? I'm still going to say yes. Um, even though I know it's outside looking in, but Cleveland's never been there before. Um, inexperienced ball club, still hurting on the pitching staff. I can't believe the run they're on, but I always believe level finds his water. So maybe, you know, this 15 game stretch, maybe they got a six and nine in them or something like that with us running through them. So I think we still got a shot. Yeah, I mean, if nothing, nothing's over in this division. If that's one thing that we've proved to ourselves all year long is this division, just when you think they're going to get good, <laughs> they, they, they get bad. And maybe the White Sox will finally gain some ground there. We'll see what happens. But uh, usually when we get started on the show, we, we dive into our segment about uh, our, our, our archaic old manager, Tony La Russa. We wish him the best. We hope he feels better. Uh, but obviously right now he's not here. <laughs> so the segment, uh, even though it says it's called LaRusa's Locker, at the end of the day, we're going to call this segment Cairo's Clubhouse. Yeah, so it's been a pretty good last week. Of course, we lost to the Tigers in a game that we probably shouldn't have lost, and Dylan's beast didn't look great. Um, but it is what it is at this point. But, gentlemen, what did you guys think from Miguel Cairo this week, how he managed the team? Uh, Gonzo, let's start things off with you, and then we'll kick it around the table. Yeah, and I kind of alluded to that earlier in the opening, but you go back to those two games, and like I said last week, you got to give Cairo – the credit for the energy that he brings. But as far as that, it's tough. Cause you gotta, you gotta do a little bit more than energy. Um, you can, if you want to be cru- crucial on him and crucify him for some of those decisions he made in those bullpen games, you can go ahead and do it. But at the end of the day, Sox did grab those W's um, really tough games and extras that they went through to do so. Um, but you go back to that. Like I said, those two games after you get two big victories and you come off of those with, the offenses just being dead. I mean, those are issues that we've seen all season. Again, it's on the players. It's hard. It's hard for alone a Hall of Fame manager to go through the circumstances that he had to do earlier in the season. And I'm not going to put too much of that on Cairo. I'm just right now getting a good, you know, stretch of those decisions that he is making. And I know in the spaces, and Eric can attest to this, but me and I went back and forth on that pitching matchup for Thursday's game. Which, when I go back and look at it, uh, there's part of that I didn't even realize is that they, by keeping Cease on that Wednesday matchup, he's in line to start the series here on Tuesday versus Cleveland, which I thought that was very important. Some I didn't really look too much into on that back half that I should have. 
because I do in the end agree with sticking with Cease on that matchup and reverse, you know, home in Colorado. That way, if Lynn did the job, which he absolutely did, they put him right into the series this week, beginning in Cleveland. And that's, it sets up perfectly with that three-man stretch there. So I like, I do like what I'm seeing with Cairo, and I'm glad to see um, what we have out of him so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, to say if people are saying that if they don't make it, it's on Tony, well, that's just not necessarily true because, yes, I mean, he had all possibilities going into this month to clinch the division. It just comes down to the players. Again, we alluded to those two games last week that could have put them in better position because at the end of the day, you have to win games. Granted, they never went through that stretch this season of those 13-game stretches where they're just going crazy, but now you have to do it. You, you, the players put themselves in the situation where they have to do it. Could that be complacency at the end of the day from the players, knowing what they did last year, running away with the division? Sure, maybe they thought they can do it at the end when it really matters, and it's tougher to do that in the end. And obviously they caught up to them, but again, they had to go through injuries and just underperformance all year. And we've seen runners left on base earlier in the week in crucial moments, and that's tough to see. But at the end of the day, hey, I'm just glad that they're here. And uh, we have, gosh, a two-game stretch here. So this is on them. They can overdo it. It's in their hands right now. Big time stuff right now. Big series coming up. Uh, we'll go to our guest next. Eric, curious what you thought from you've what, what you've seen from Miguel Cairo over the last week. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I'm a pretty big fan, but I don't know if I'm a pretty big fan from the lack of what I saw from Larusa, or if I'm a big fan of necessarily what Cairo was doing. But there's been a few things that I'd love to see, um, especially analytically, like the not bunting in both extra inning games when you're the away team to begin the inning. I know one worked out, but one did not. But analytically, that is the correct call. Um, managing the bullpen and how he used Liam to hold the game in the bottom of the ninth at one time, you know, or whatever, and then save him for the, I mean, for the bottom of the 10th, save him for the bottom of the 10th and using Lopez in the bottom of the ninth of both games. Love to see it. I mean, the double steals that we saw um, in both games there with Mankata and Elvis Andrews, like getting the guys at third, which produced a run, like, I've liked what I've seen overall. Now, is that to say that we wouldn't see the same thing if Tony was here? I don't know. Is it a sense of urgency is just different? Sure. But whatever it is we're seeing, I've been a fan of what I've been seeing so far. Yeah, likewise. I, I think uh, we, we had a brief discussion last week on the show of if he should be in consideration for Tony's replacement. And I think, I think it would be a disservice regardless of how they finish the season, make the playoffs or not. I think he's at least got to be in the conversation. I think he is probably in the conversation, but I'm also not going to give him a hundred percent pass. You know, he has been here for two years as a number yep. two in charge. Like some of these things could have been inflexed. He wasn't powerless in a situation. So some of the things maybe we haven't seen, I don't know the dynamic exactly of the clubhouse, but I think you got to hold him a little bit accountable for what we've seen this year as well. The good and the bad. No doubt about that. Vinny Parisi, I know, We've had our talks about Tony this year, and we always talk a lot about the managerial decisions. Uh, quick thoughts on Miguel Cairo. The results speak for themselves. Wins and losses are the most important thing. 
since Miguel Cairo has taken over, they have gone 13 and six. That is no coincidence. Since Miguel Cairo has taken over, they've started hitting more home runs. I don't know if that's an approach difference. I don't know if that's an energy difference, but whatever he's done, even if it's just, you know, sometimes in sports, voices get old. If that's what the case was, that's what the case is, whatever. But the fact remains that the White Sox have been a significantly better baseball team since he took over and they have a chance to make the playoffs, but there is a high likelihood that it is too little too late. If they do miss the playoffs and the White Sox somehow make the weird decision of bringing Tony back or going in a different direction, I do believe Miguel Cairo will be an option for other teams across the league. And other teams are going to look at what he did with them this year and the energy that he brought and how the White Sox all the started all of a sudden started mashing once he took over. They're going to consider that. And especially lower profile teams that need a spark. Like I'm thinking of teams like you know, the Philadelphia Phillies will probably keep their guy but uh, because of how well they've played this year since firing Joe Girardi. But the Los Angeles Angels, a team like that, could Otani and Trout get a spark from a guy like Cairo? I don't know, but it's just an example. I do believe he's done a very good job. And the proof is in the statistics, the eye test, watching the players play, and the win-loss record. Love it, buddy. Always love the breakdown. Uh, our resident Imperial March stormtrooper from the Death Star, Steven Sim Zimmerman. You don't have to talk more about Miguel Cairo, but you can say whatever you want. Uh, first off, I don't understand that reference. Second off, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, don't you love it when people do that? They say they don't understand the reference and like. It's like by saying that, it shows you understand. Anyway, I, I've explained yeah. the joke, and it's not funny anymore. Um, no, the the thing that I do want to say about Cairo is, like, I haven't really noticed a lot that he's done, and I think that's, like, the best thing about him right now is he's just working in the shadows, getting this team what they need. Um, so that's about it. Our buddy Greg Braggs is in the chat, Eric, and he says you steal all of his baseball thoughts from him. The most impressive thing about that was Bragg spelled baseball correctly. Huh? <laughs> he did. Yeah. Eric Somebody... steals all of his baseball thoughts from Braggs, and Bragg steals everybody's Jack Daniels from them. So, you know, it's a trade-off. That's true. The chat room is just the, the comments are unbelievable. Holy shit, is that guy in a massage parlor? <laughs> oh man. Oh, sorry. Um and then uh, there's a comment in there that I, I, I shouldn't put up, but I, I did laugh a lot. Sam Davis, just want you to know that. Vinny, I'm sure you saw that in the chat. <laughs> Wait, I'm looking now. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh the answer. I don't want to know the answer. That's the answer to that one. People are weird. <laughs> we're going we're to get all kinds of weird today, boys. But uh, let's keep chugging along through our segmented portion of the show. We're going to dive into the players that had a rough week. And uh, Vinny Parisi, what do we like to call that segment? We like to call that – you said the one we're, – we're, we're talking positive right now? No, no, we're talking – not good. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're talking not good, like the managing before Miguel Cairo took over. That is the Adam Dud of the week. <laughs> you suck. You suck. Suck. 
stupid, lousy, no excuse. What a dud. What a total, total dud. Yeah, so this is part of the show where we talk about players that shit the bed the week before, to put it lightly. But uh, let's go from there. And we, we usually like to lead off with our guests. We can let them pick anyone that they want. Uh, it could be the manager. It could be the pitching coach. It could be any player. Uh, it could be one of the vendors in the stands, whoever you want it to be. So, Eric, curious if you had a pick for this week's Adam Dud of the week. Oh, man, it's tough. The boys are actually playing pretty good. Um, who I think probably had the worst week, if I had to guess, I would say Romy Gonzalez. After being like a great start, bad air at second base the other day or whatever, lots of strikeouts. I know the last few games haven't been that great. Whether it carried over to the week, I don't know, but I feel like the uh, the puppy love has rubbed, rubbed off a little bit on Romy Gonzalez. All right. Love the pick, uh... Yeah, definitely had some big hits the week before, but uh, coming back down to earth a little bit, hopefully he gets a little bit better going forward with this big series up against the Guardians. Although we don't know exactly how much playing time he's going to have, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, all right, Chris Gonzalez, what do you got for your Adam Dud of the week? My Adam Dud of the week goes to the first loss versus Detroit. Um, the man that is battling through his arbitration years right now, Lucas Giolito. Granted, he's only given up one run in that outing, but he only went four and two-thirds inning. He struggled early on. Again, he's been struggling early on in a lot of those performances. He has settled down in them, but I need to see more out of him than the four and two-thirds and three walks and five strikeouts, um, especially going down the stretch here. I mean, we need you to get out and get deeper into the games, considering that, well, Mike, originally Michael Kopech was on an innings limit, um, but now that yeah. he's injured and gone, now we got four guys in the rotation, and you're calling you're either using davis martin or you're going to a bullpen game i need you to go deeper in those games if you're going to be on the rotation next year um lucas you got two weeks left here to get deeper for me <laughs> yeah he's getting deeper somewhere i don't know exactly where but no good call gonzo not a not a great performance out of geo struggled all year long uh Vinny parisi who you got for your adam dud of the week I'm going to go with Luis Robert. I don't know why he's there if they can't use him, if he's not healthy, if he can't swing a bat, anything. He's one for 12, 83 average, four strikeouts. We all remember the game where he couldn't swing. Um, That's something that I I was stunned when Tony was using him, and now I'm even stunned when Miguel Cairo is using him. That's something I'll – you know, we could go back to the blast segment. I kind of never really even thought to bring that up. I just don't get why he isn't going on the injured list. If he can't perform clearly, if the arm, if the wrist is bothering him and people say, oh, well, he says he's okay. He says he's fine. What athlete is going to go up there and be like, no, I can't really play. Only a loser would do that. So, of course, Luis Roberts going to say he can play. Of course, he's fast. He can play defense. That's fine. But we know that where Luis Robert is really impacting this team is with his bat and he can't hit right now. He's had an abysmal second half. He has two RBIs, no home runs since the all-star break. When going into the all-star break, he looked like he was going to probably hit, you know, close to 30 home runs and, or at least 25 home runs and have probably in the upper eighties RBIs, you know, like a pretty good first full season back from injury and no, nothing. It's just been brutal in the second half. I don't know what is going on. I hope next year he's healthy. Obviously he's certainly not the type of talent that you give up on by any means, but it hasn't been doing it for me lately for Luis Robert. I wish they would worry mostly about getting him healthy. Yeah, yeah, he clearly doesn't look right, and we know what he can be. He's certainly not there right now. Uh, we can certainly use him here for this last stretch, but hopefully 
He gets things right. Steven Zim Zimmerman, who was your Adam Dud this week? Well, with Vinny taking the more obvious guy, <clears throat> um, another guy who just looks like something's not right with him lately is AJ Pollock. Um, he doesn't look like he's seeing the ball at all. Um, it looks like he's just kind of swinging hard and hoping something happens. And one time it did, but that was kind of it. He's just, he really looked like he was going to be a big acquisition for this team when they got him right before the season started. And he's turned out to be really a, a complete non-factor all season long. So this is just kind of the hey, microcosm. Eric, of go ahead and get him, Eric. Go everything. ahead and get him. I know that's your boy. Go get him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, the of this show. I don't want to call out other hosts or whatever, but uh, no, I do agree. It. No, I do agree that he has been obviously disappointing. I mean, we're talking about, I know people love to give Han shit that they don't think he did anything. You're talking about you signed a man that had an 880 and an 891 OPS in 20 and 21. That was supposed to be put in the right field, and all of a sudden he comes in for 668. So he definitely deserves, like, the slander or whatever, but, like, I looked at my Romy Gonzalez stats for the last week and uh, out of the blind, I got so unlucky, but that was 071 batting average with like a 200 OPS. So I hit that. I'm curious because I think that you're off on the Pollock thing, but I'll, I'll let you know here in a second. I'll go say what Pollock did in the second half so far. Yeah, no, I mean, he's got, yeah, I mean, I can, if you want, if you want to talk about second half stuff, he's been great. Uh, he's been a second half Players here. Let's let me pull it up. I'm gonna guess his WRC plus is yeah. No, I mean, there's no denying his second half has been better than his first half. But I think just about anything would be better than his first half, considering. First off, he was barely on the field thanks to this rotation that they're doing in the outfield. He didn't really get a chance to get settled in with this club, and again, he wound up being a non-factor. Really, just between his lack of performance and the lack of, it almost feels like a lack of trust to let him work himself out of it. And when he finally did start working himself out of it, his groove got thrown off again. And now Miguel Cairo comes in and it's like, he's starting to rework it. But I mean, the stat line speaks for itself. Like I said, it looks like he's swinging hard and just hoping instead of playing the game that he played last three years. He hit some hard balls you. this week, though. I'll give him that. I'll defend you a little bit here, Zim. It's Adam Dutt of the week, not Adam Dutt of the second half. This is a terrible, terrible stat line since our last episode. Two for 22, 91 average. He hit the home run. That was nice. Three RBIs, one run, six strikeouts. He's perfectly been fine in the second half. It's just this last week he was brutal. And if, if they could have, you know, they won a lot of the games, so it's fine. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, that is pretty pathetic. My only carrot for the guy I've been carrying the stick for would be those two RBIs were very, very big out of those three. One of the score was, I think it, we we were down two or it was very even, those that two RBIs he did have. But, yeah, I didn't realize he was that bad this week. So That's it. And that's that's the thing that I love about this segment is somebody always brings up somebody that you're like, did he really? Oh, oh, wow, he really did. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna look. I was like, man, I know he hit a home run. I know he had two RBIs this week. He can't be that. Never mind. I guess he was that bad. I guess that was literally it. That was it. You remembered all of it. Right. And guys right. redeem right. themselves with big moments, like you said. Like you know, the home run was huge. He yeah, got the huge. game tied with the home run. I think it was a solo shot that got the game tied. 
So it's, you know, perception is, you know, context is key. But when you look at the stat line overall, it's like, eh. Well, and and, and we had Jake Berger on the show earlier this season in July, and he said his favorite guy in the clubhouse, Eric, is AJ Pollock. And that says a lot. He's been with the team for what? Since since April? I mean, yeah, this is, yeah. Uh, you know, for him to be the favorite guy in the clubhouse leader, I, I think that says a lot about him. And they got him for runs like this. So uh, I think we we're all hoping AJ gets hot this week. And if we do get into the playoffs, this is the kind of guy that just turns it on when it comes into October. Man, I thought that, you know, they needed – this team is very inexperienced. They needed somebody who's been there. There's not too many playoff win series on this roster. And when they yep. went and got A.J. Pollock, like I said, coming off 891 and 880 the last two years, OPS, playing for the Dodgers, had the mentality they needed to win all the time or whatever, like I was waving that flag hard. That 680 or 670 OPS he's sprinting, like it's painful. How – you know, how's a guy supposed to drop 200 points? I mean, that's insane. Insane. Yep, for sure. I'm going to continue and make my Adam Dud pick of the week. Uh, I'm going to go with Jose Ruiz. Uh, didn't look great. Two innings pitched, two earned runs, two hits, two walks, four earned runs. Um, you know, Jose's been up and down this year, but uh, it wasn't his best week. Um, those are some big runs he gave up too. So, uh, Jose, I mean, I'm sure you'll bounce back. At least I hope you do, but this week wasn't your best. So, uh, Jose, you get since everyone else named somebody else, I'm going to go with Jose Ruiz for my Adam Dud of the week. But, uh, gentlemen, let's go to the opposite side of the fence. And there's a lot more names on this list than there were on the last one. But let's talk about players that hit it out of the park in this week's Put It on the Board segment. Ball hit deep. Way back. He looks up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yeah, uh, this team was pretty much raking for the last week and change. There's a lot of big names on this list to choose from. Eric, we could let you lead things off, but who's who's one guy that uh, you thought really put it on the board this week? Yeah, I mean, I'll leave some of the hit, obvious hitting choices out there for the rest of the field, but, like, I'm going Lance Lynn in the makeup game. Short travel day, daytime game, moving yourself up technically a start. Some would say must win. I hate that cliche, but like a big, big game, and he just big goes game. out there and absolutely does work. I want to. I know that uh, Ramirez, Quan, Nader were 0 for 12 in that game. So I mean, taking yeah. shutting the Cleveland Indians down in that spot where it's an absolute must win. Like my, uh, I'm going Flynn. Yeah, he was he was filthy, and Lance has been a bad, bad man. The last, uh, basically his last seven starts, he's been a real bad man, and we hope that streak continues. Love what I'm seeing out of Lance. Uh, so great pick there. Uh, Chris Gonzalez, what do you got for your putter on the board player of the week? Yeah, I'm going to go with the guy um, that hopefully is our first baseman of the future, and that's going to be Andrew Vaughn, um, guy that was struggling in the last, I want to say, 10 days at least. Um, but he just comes up with a huge, huge grand slam to really seal the deal in that game versus Detroit because that was that was a battle in that game, and Detroit kept inching their way back, and uh, that huge grand slam, that was his first one too. He just opened up that game and uh, really sealed the deal on it, and that was clutch because, um, again, Cleveland did lose one of two and one of the only losses that they've had versus the Twins, so 
that's a game that you definitely needed to win. And uh, I'm, I'm just glad that he did it. And he, with that grand slam, he has himself a pretty solid week. Yeah, he sure does. And I think we need Andrew to play more games at 10 a.m. in the morning. I think we <laughs> got to get see little Andrew uh, morning Vaughn get some morning wood on the ball, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. I broke up for a second in my back. Boys. Yeah, you, you froze for a sec there. You're back. All right, cool. So I'm back. So let's continue with our picks here. Uh, Zim, who you got for your putter on the board player of the week? Eloy. <clears throat> Eloy had some big bombs and some big moments with lots of RBIs. He's seeing the ball well right now. He is really heating up at the right time for this team. He's doing what we wanted to see him do all year long. Um, you know, it sucks what keeps happening to him with the injury bug. But right now is what we've wanted to see from him, you know, pretty good average hitting for power, driving guys in scoring when he's on base. He's, he's doing exactly what the Sox wanted him to do from day one. And it sucks that it took until now, but you know, reward it with our meaningless little podcast rewards when he deserves it. So. And can I add, can I add to Zim there? Yeah. Yeah. He's doing this as a designated hitter. Yeah, he's Tommy, doing it. I, I was going to say, Tommy has preached about, I know Frank Thomas would probably attest to it too, but how difficult it is to make that transition, how mentally you have to stay in the game. But it's something your, that we've been swings. saying Eloy should be doing for a long time. And that's what I think is most encouraging about it. Because you're right, it is, it's a different position. It is a position. And you have to you have to be ready at all times. It's like pinch hitting three times a game <laughs> for yeah, the, fact, the fact that he's doing it and doesn't seem like it's really messing with them too much. He's enjoying the moment. That's just, that's just going to pay dividends down this contention window when that's likely where we're going to need him to be is the designated hitter and not yeah. the left field. So it makes me hopeful else to, to put up some similar power numbers with exactly. better defense in the outfield. It makes me hopeful. We can find a real left fielder to put out there at some <clears> point. Which maybe we'll talk about later on. Who knows? I don't think you can give him enough credit either for his approach change. Like he's seeing a lot of pitches, walking a lot compared to what we saw first pitch swing happy in last year coming off the energy or whatever. Like I think that uh, he deserves Earlier every this year. Yeah, every war, every award he can get, you can tell he put work into his approach to play as well. Yeah, he just looks so comfortable up there, and I think that's the most impressive part of it all. Uh, Vinny Parisi. There's a lot of big names that have been announced here, but there's a lot of guys left that still had great weeks. Uh, who's left that you're picking for your put it on the board player of the week? Yeah, the only person who is like right there with Miguel Cairo for getting the most credit in my brain for this turnaround is Elvis Andrews. He's come onto this team and just been so good. He's basically been what Tim Anderson, when Tim Anderson's at his best, you get stat lines like this at the top of the order, 10 for 26, 385 average, one home run, four stolen bases, uh, an RBI, five runs scored, and two walks. He sets the tone for the lineup. And when Tim Anderson comes back, I'd have him bat ninth or eighth and play second base. That's just how I would run it, be the second leadoff man 
and go be that guy lower in the lineup. And I just think it's he plays great defense. There's no way he can't transition to second base based on what I've seen from him in the past. And he had a great week, and the White Sox win games when he has a good game. And I'm, I'm excited that he's on this team. I really hope they're able to pull this off at the end of the year because he'll deserve a lot of credit for it. And wasn't there a graphic, I believe, going into the game yesterday that he had the same production as Aaron Judge? in the month of September or something like that. It was kind of crazy with the stats breakdown. I know the NBC wow. showed the graphic. I couldn't show, I couldn't remember the exact uh, comment of it, but it was a, a comparison of the two and it was kind of just bizarre, but that's uh, it's amazing to have a guy like that come um, when you really needed it with Tim, with uh, Timmy getting injured and uh, you needed someone to fill those, you know, fill those shoes with, with what we have on the roster right now, with what you had Lurie Garcia, and they brought up yeah. you know, Romy Gonzalez. You know what yeah. we're going to get out of Romy, and um, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, Elvis. Elvis has been money since he's been in the building, and we don't want him. We don't want him to be gone anytime soon. So loving no. Elvis, and not just uh, the Elvis movie. I'm talking about Elvis Presley. Elvis Knight next year might have a whole whole new meeting if he sticks around for another season. We'll see what happens. But hey, we'll I know see. He, uh, I do want to just throw out as a, as a counterpoint to what Vinny mentioned about moving Tim around. Um, Miguel Cairo did very adamantly state that Tim Anderson is the shortstop on this team. So unfortunately it seems like Andrews uh, Juju might get messed with a little bit when Anderson comes back, but hopefully he's, uh, he takes it in stride just like he did coming to this team. Would it shock you at all though? If, the two, the former two-time All-Star veteran, mid-thirties player, did get bumped down a little bit because obviously Tim Anderson's an All-Star. There are a lot of people who decided to like randomly turn on Tim Anderson in the second half of this season. Those people make no sense to me. He's a very, very good player. Been an All-Star for two straight seasons for a reason. I could see Andrews adjusting though, and he's probably more adjustable than Tim Anderson. So that's why I think he's the guy who can be adjusted in the batting order, play maybe another position. So we'll see. I will. Yeah. I'll add to like the interesting thing about Elvis with the new shift rule is and being a free agent, he might welcome the chance to play second. Cause now that you can't right. shift, you're going to see a lot of more aging shortstops probably get put to second. Cause the range is going to matter. And so you're looking at a guy like that and might want to add a little bit more to his resume coming into the offseason, being like, I can play either or. I can do either one when he's only played one position his whole career. No, that's a great point. It's a great point, Eric. And I think, uh, if any, just a quickly counterpoint on, like, the people that have turned on Tim Anderson. I don't think it's about his play. I think it's about uh, the court of public opinion and what's going on off the field. But, you know, just – just want to make that point. Not that it matters. Baseball matters on the show, but you know, a lot of people think about all that stuff too. So just wanted to point that and out. It does go a little bit beyond that a little bit, just cause I mean, Timmy was, I mean, as tough as it is, it is to say he was having a tough season defensively statistically from his career. Um, yeah, it was very up and at, down for him. Yes. At the same time, like he's shown you so much offensively that none of those false narratives should even stand ground on what he did in the past with his silver slugger award. Um, the guy's just statistically there with his bat every season and ultimate competitor. So that's, that is our, our guy at shortstop. Um, 
granted, if you want to put Elvis there at second or sign one of these other guys like Ray or whoever at second base, um, it's going to be in the conversation for sure this offseason. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and make my pick for put it on the board player of the week. And this is a guy who's been absolutely filthy out of the bullpen. Pretty much. I don't know if you guys can hear me or not. I know I disappeared for a minute. Can you hear me now? Yeah. You're good. All right, cool. So my pick for put on the board bullpen player that's been absolutely nasty pretty much all year. I'm going to go with Reynaldo Lopez, who was unhittable this week. If I can get this graphic. All right, there it goes. There it goes the graphic. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez, unhittable this week. Four innings, zero hits, three Ks. Um, whatever happened with him, the eye correction surgery, the LASIK is working with cats. Whatever it is, I love it because Reynaldo has been an invaluable piece to this bullpen and uh, is definitely going to get himself paid in the future if he keeps pitching this way. Uh, so I was just loving what I'm seeing out of him. And this week, you know, Reynaldo was absolutely massive. Uh, this guy has been our bullpen MVP pretty much this year. I mean, you could argue very easily that he's been that guy. And it's from a guy we didn't expect it. So that makes it that much better. <laughs> Reynaldo Lopez is doing what they needed from Crochet. So, yeah, yep. it sucks they didn't have both. But Crochet was supposed to step into that multi-inning relief type role that Michael Kopech had last year. You bring Michael into the rotation – that leaves a hole. We were hoping it could be Crochet. He has the Tommy John. Reynaldo Lopez has done a good job. It'll be nice to see them both available to the team next year. Yeah, I also, too, would add, like, let's not forget, two of those four innings pitch with the bottom of the ninth in a tie game. So, I mean, the fact that he put up two no-hit performances, it wasn't in a 13-3 to ball game. We're talking the bottom of the ninth trying to hold a team down on the road, and he did it both times. That's very good. Yeah, he's been he's been unbelievable. Love what I'm seeing out of Raylo this year. I know we were all using that name a couple of years ago. I'll bring it back. Why not? Uh, but let's keep on chugging. We're gonna get into Gonzo's favorite segment. That's when he's gonna let us know about what's coming up in the week ahead in this week's edition of White Sox Weekly. All right, Gonzo, we got some big series coming up this week. Uh, we'll let you take it away and take us on a tour of what we can expect. Absolutely, Joe. This is White Sox Weekly by yours truly, Gonzo, here. And, yes, two series versus two divisional opponents. Most, impress- uh, mo- most crucial one is going to be the first of two series at home this week. First one versus the Cleveland Guardians, Tuesday through Thursday. Game one, it's going to be the guy who's been your Cy Young candidate this season for the White Sox. It's Dylan Cease. He's going to go up against Aaron Saval. Um, I like that matchup for the White Sox. Um, and again, again, Eric can probably attest to this because me and him went back and forth on it in our, uh, our group chat last week. But I had a big, um, I don't say I was disappointed, but I was definitely uh, not sure how Dylan was going to take him not getting the ball in that crucial game. 
on Thursday, but the fact that he gets to line up against him to start the series, this is his in the taking. Uh, we go back to him not getting the all-star uh, candidate ballot, getting that elected shot to go to the all-star game, and what did he do? He shoved it versus Minnesota and Cleveland. And again, down the stretch here with everything on the line, he's got to do it again. And he's got to start here in that first game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we can't talk enough about how that bad of Jose Ramirez, the guy's lethal. Um, he's that he's the catalyst of that offense. And uh, we'll see how he goes about in this series. It's going to be a good one for sure. But game two is going to be Lance Lynn up against McKenzie. And, uh, again, we, we saw what Lance did in that one gamer last week. And uh, to go back with Cease and Lynn, Cease has three starts versus Cleveland this season. Lance has four. They both struggled struggled in their first appearance versus them, but both of them bounced back. Lance with his two starts against them and Lynn's, Lynn with his three starts following that. So hopefully that trend continues. And like Eric brought up the performance, uh, Eric was at Quan. Naylor and who else went over three for the over 12? Ramirez, Ramirez was over 12. Ramirez. A combination of them that day. Yeah, you're, you're definitely going to have to continue that. You got to go through that offense. You got to limit those opportunities of harm. And uh, I mean, Eric, I'm sure he'll bring the slash lines of this uh, into this uh, after I'm done here. But um, I love that matchup as well. McKenzie has been up and down all season, but. He's someone that they believe in, so we definitely have to get to him early. Uh, game three, that's going to be the tough one. Um, you're going against Shane Bieber, and uh, we're going to toss out Johnny Cueto out there. And Cueto, he's been back and forth recently. Hopefully he can bounce back into it and go deep in this game and give us the opportunity to go up against Bieber. Whether you outpitch him or just do enough to get by, um, we need. there's going to be a huge game three there. And that could be the make or break of the season, really, because if you steal those, if you take those first two, you you got to take that third one to have the shot here with just a half game out, and that's going to be crucial. Um, then the weekend series uh, is going to be at home, like I said, it's going to be versus Detroit. We're going to see those pesky Tigers again. Um, and again, this is going to be interesting on how how, how the Sox are going to form formulate this weekend series. Because really, it's up to you if you want to make this a four-man rotation going down the stretch here or keep bailing with Martin and bullpen games um, for what two or four starts left here from those two positions of our four or five in that ideal rotation. Um, like I said, maybe you want to go for that four-man, but it's going to be interesting on in what Cairo and the staff decides. But game one of that series is going to be uh, Rodriguez, the lefty, the southpaw versus Lucas Giolito. Um, again, these matchups can change, but this is the projected outlook of it. And then let's see, game two on Saturday look like Hutchinson, the righty, and that's undecided on what we're going to do on the back end there. And game three on Sunday might just be a second start from Dylan Cease versus uh, South Paul Alexander that we saw uh, as well in that last series. Um, and again, you got to look out for, I mean, Javi has had a, Javi Baez has had a rough season, uh, but at the same time versus our White Sox, he's been pesky. Guy's been doing what he needs to do against us in moments throughout this season, and hopefully he doesn't do any more damage. Um, but, yeah, that's ultimately the series ahead here. 
Yeah, Gonzo, it's going to be a huge week for this team. And I know you mentioned Eric talking a little bit about these matchups and kind of you know, what we could expect statistically. Uh, Eric, just curious, you know, what you're looking at into the series against the Guardians and then uh, what we can possibly do to stay hot against the Tigers this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Gonzo and I went, you know, went a few rounds about that it was going to be the land that they were going to pitch in the uh, in the game versus Seas. I mean, not that it's tough. It's tough to say there's a bad matchup for Seas because the year he's having. But if there is one, it's Cleveland. Heavy left-handed dominated lineup. Team that strikes out the least and not even close. I'm talking like 80 less strikeouts than the team next to, next to him. Um, he's gone three games this year. I think the OPS is like 748 against Dylan Cease in the three games he's gone against. So for a guy that's had a Cy Young, arguably right there with the favor of the year, to have a team have a 748 OPS against you and being a division rival, like I'm more concerned about game one than I am game two or three in this matchup as far as the pitching matchups go. Other than I don't want to go against Bieber, but as far as my confidence in the White Sox starters against Cleveland, I'll take Lynn and Cueto. Yeah, those guys have been money this year. And, you know, see, it's just uh, it's hard to believe it, but you're right. They are a matchup. To give Eric the credit here. Well, Eric, you bring up the slash line versus with Cleveland. I want to make this point here because it is to your credit on what you're saying here. Um, and really, like I just previously said, if you want to take away that first start with both Lynn and Cease with those rough performances they have, um, you could pull up the slash line, those two starts uh, Cease had. But he went five and two-thirds in that second one. In that third start, he went six innings, didn't give up any runs. So, yeah, you can bring up the hits and the walks. But at the end of the day, he, let, he left them stranded. But, again, to go with what Eric is saying is when you're leaving those guys on, at what point is that going to break versus that offense against you? Um, at the end of the day, it hasn't broken yet. But this is a guy that it's in Cease's hands, the season that he's had. Um, when, when you just have that stuff that he has, it's tough to beat. And he's just gonna have to go out there and shove because when he's on, he's on. There's no, there's no touching him. But early on, if his stuff isn't breaking, kind of like what we saw in that no hitter, or not the no hitter, but that one hitter shutout that he had, it wasn't great stuff early on. The break on those pitches, it wasn't there. He just battled through it and got lucky with some soft uh, hit, you know, soft contact against him. But that's how you beat him if if his confidence isn't there and early on he's just battling with his stuff. But if he is on, just it's lights out. So, yeah, to his credit, we're going to see on how Cease uh, goes up in that fourth, fourth start versus them. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is, but you're talking about Cleveland. It's heavy left-handed, right? You're talking about Quan, Naylor, and Ramirez, probably the three deadliest guys, and they're all from the left-hand side. And Cease's best pitch and maybe the best pitch in baseball is that slider. And that kind of being left-handed, you know, kind of takes that away a little bit. So we'll see what happens. I mean, not that I don't have faith in Dylan Cease, of course, but I'm I'm for a team that don't strike out, they're hitting 286 against Cease this year in three games. Like I hope that it's his on game and not his B game for game one. Yeah. And just, I want to add also with that game three, I know you say you weren't worried about it, Eric, but with Cueto, 
I mean, it depends what you're going to get out of him because we saw the last two performances, his stuff, and it hasn't been the same as it was. So versus that offense, it kind of scares me a little bit, especially when you're going up against Bieber. And you can't have you can't have any faults going up in that matchup versus him. So you know, I'm I get not what you're saying though. I'm not excited about Bieber, but you give me a guy that pitches a contact against a team that really can't slug outside of a couple guys. He's not going to get himself in trouble. I like I like that matchup against his squad. Love it. And, gentlemen, let's dive into the second half of this portion of the segment. We're going to talk pick-to-click for the week, and we're going to let Eric be our tiebreaker because I usually decide who won based on statistics. But last week, Zim picked Eloy Jimenez, and I picked Elvis Andrus. So, as the guest, we'll let you decide who wins between those two. Uh, who who do you pick? I mean, that's <laughs> first of all, it was nailed. Like, I feel like both probably you could argue that win or whatever. Um, I'm just probably going with the stash line that Elvis Andrews had um, and the and the plays that he made when he made them. See you in third in both yep. those games in late game situations. Um, I'm probably riding with, uh, I would give Elvis a slight edge. I love you, Eric. Thank you so much. That's the first time I've won pick to click in like two months. So I was a little yeah. overdue. I appreciate it. And, uh, I thought for sure you were going to say Aloy, but I'll take it, man. I love it. Um, so that means I get first pick. Um, but as, uh, as our established guest, we will let you make a choice as well for the upcoming week, Eric. So, uh, going into this week, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, who are you picking for this week's pick to click? Well, this is going to go against Vinny's thing earlier, but believe it or not, I'm going to pick Luis Robert. All right. I like what I saw in the last game. I like the fact he started to turn on the ball. I think the last ground ball he hit down the third base line was 102 miles an hour. He didn't seem to be favoring his wrist as much. I saw in the outfield he was you know, a little more floppy with the glove, a little more quicker to throw. Like I feel like maybe finally, 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 it's a little more healthy. So I think it might not be the prettiest, but surprising. I think Luis Robert has a good week. I love could it. I, add, I love could it. Could I add for a second there? I do like that pick by Eric. Cause I mean, if we go back to Luis Robert last week, he was getting barreled on some baseballs and just get unfortunate at, you know, the third baseman just making great plays. But it does seem like when, it, you know, the games linger on that that wrist does hamper from, the contact that he's making and let's just say if it is like a bone contusion like that is really rough especially bone to bone and um it's something you have to be careful with but at the same time i like i i, I do like what i'm seeing out of Luis robert lately cool yeah i think i think uh we would love him to turn it on here down the stretch no, no doubt there uh i'm gonna go with my pick to click here and i'm gonna you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really boring here, guys. But uh, I love what I've seen out of Elvis, and I think I'm gonna ride ride with him for another week here. Keep the strike while the iron's hot. I'm gonna stick with Elvis with my first pick. Um, I got no complaints there. The guy's been doing well for me, so we're gonna rock with Elvis here. Um, Vinny, why don't you go next? Who you got? Before, before Vinny goes, can I change my mind? If you're gonna be boring going first, can I have Eloy win so somebody else can go first? Sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just, sure. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I uh, I don't know. I just got good vibes with uh, Elvis going up against Cleveland this week. We'll see. We'll see if I'm right or not. But uh, actually, Zim is back now, so now Zim gets to go next because he had 
second place pick. Uh, I don't know if you saw it or not, Zim, but I went with Elvis again. Uh, that that's a it's a good choice. It really is. He's doing everything right now. Why not? Um, shit. Give me Andrew Vaughn. Give me Andrew Vaughn. He's um he's heating up at the right time. I mean, a lot of this team is, but yeah, he looks good. Yeah, you can't go I, wrong. I don't have a whole lot more than that. He's heating up and he looks good. Heating up and he looks good. That's all you need. All right, Vinny, Vinny Gonzalez. Who's Vinny Gonzalez? I have no idea. He doesn't even exist. Vinny Parisi, who you got? Uh, I, I like Zim's pick. That's who I was going to take. Um, I am going to go with – I'm going to go with our guy. Uh, he's been our guy this season. He's got the best chance. He's got the toughest matchup for Cleveland. But I'm going to take Johnny Cueto. I think he, of the three uh, pitchers that are going to go this series, has the best chance to kind of take care of them. Like he mentioned, Cleveland doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, I think Lynn can pitch to the strength of his opponent better than any pitcher on the White Sox. Cease and Kopech and Giolito rely on their stuff. And... Lynn does to some degree, but at the same time, he could just mash 80% fastballs down your throat, and that works for a team like Cleveland. But we know Johnny Cueto's not going to have more than six strikeouts, so that's a team that you want to do it against. If they go into that series up 2-0, into that game up 2-0 in the series, and you got Cueto versus Bieber, who I absolutely think is right there with Cease, with Verlander, with McClanahan, with Otani for like the five guys who have a chance at the Cy Young this year, Hey, I'll take it. I'm going to put my faith in our guy, Johnny Cueto. He's been magnificent this season. And he's been, outside of Cease, the most consistent pitcher on this team. So we're going to go with him. I like it. I like it. And the guy I was about to go get a pick from disappeared. So <laughs> uh, I, I think we could all probably take a guess. Knowing Gonzo's picks all year long and potentially a two-start week for Dylan Cease, I would be stunned if he did not take Dylan Cease here. Considering I didn't, he will. Oh yeah! After after what him and I went through about the land deal Cease thing, like my phone's going to be lit up if Dylan shows. I'll just put it that way. Uh, so we just got a uh, a text from Gonzo for us to stall, but we're just going to stall with each other. <laughs> I just confirmed with him that he wants Cease, but it's all good. Um. Anyway, we'll just keep things channel. Oh, he is back. Wow, that was that was quick. Um, so you go. We we talked when you were gone. We figured you're probably taking Dylan Cease. I'm bouncing back right now. If I want to take Jose in a clutch moment or Cease, because I know Eric probably wants me to shove it with my mouth and put my money <laughs> put my put my money onto it, Chris. Every time this season you or I have picked Dylan Cease in a two-start week, we have one pick to click. Every single time. I know. I just, and I didn't pick him this week. Too. I'm very superstitious. I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, oh, hold up. What, what is that? That's Dre there. That's Dre saying hi. What's up, Dre? Yeah, absolutely. Sweep is a must. Dre is another guy in the space. He's a really great guy. Um. All right. I'm not going to whimper down. Let's fucking go. Dylan fucking Cease. Man, it's almost like we could read the future, guys. And that's how he's going to prove that he deserves his damn Cy Young that 
I guess the MLB doesn't want him to be an all-star, so maybe they don't they want to take away the Cy Young too from him. But uh, he's going to shove. He's going to shove not only tom- tomorrow, but down the next stretch here because I think if he is on line, he's also going to pitch that Sunday game versus the, Do- the, Do- the Dodgers, the Padres. And I would love to go to that game, but unfortunately I used a sick day today this week. Um, not sure if I can bang out another Sunday for that matchup next week, but yeah, Gonzo's gonna be in sad boy hours if there's still if the Gonzo, are right there. You really want to put your money where your mouth is. After that last start, Dylan sees from mine went from minus one forty odds to plus four twenty odds to win the Cy Young Award. If you are a true believer in him, those are fantastic odds, and that just goes for anybody out there. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, those, those <laughs> yeah they, swung, were... they swung pretty bad with that Verlander uh, start. Oh, yeah, Verlander showed. Verlander showed his first game back off the deal or whatever, so that's yeah. why it swung. I mean, it, it makes showed. sense he why it swung, five but innings. it's still he possible. Five innings. I'm not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Just like how everyone wants to shove on uh, Dylan with his five or six innings that he goes. Verlander did the same thing. But, uh, well, yes. Speaking of sh- – Real quick, speaking of shoving Gonzo, we shoved out some picks to click. I went with Joe. I went with Elvis. I went with Elvis Andrews. Uh, Gonzo took Dylan Cease. Zim with Andrew Vaughn. Vinny with Johnny Cueto. And Eric's taking Luis Robert. Looking for a big bounce back week. We'll bring Gonzo back once he's back at his screen. But, uh, man, lots, lots to look forward to this upcoming week. I, I actually have to copy this so that I can – keep track of it and record for next week. I can't believe I actually won one. I, I really, Eric, you did me a solid there, brother. It's been a, it's been a long time coming. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the little things being a baseball guy, right? Like those stolen bases matter. They matter. They matter in the game. So. Yeah. He's, he's been a dog all pretty much since he came on the white Sox. He got a chip on his shoulder when Oakland cut him. Um, Vinny, I, I know you wrote, a lot of articles this week. Um, we're going to touch on uh, one of those topics here in a little bit. But I was curious, you know, your thoughts overall on, you know, where the team's headed and uh, the, the odds that we can have a sweep here. And I don't know, just give us your thoughts in general. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'll be stunned if they sweep the Guardians. It's just so hard to sweep anyone. Like they couldn't even sweep the Detroit Tigers who are significantly worse than the Guardians. It's not even an indictment on the White Sox. Like I said, since making a managerial or being forced into a managerial change, they have looked like an entirely different team. And with the way that the guys are playing, I think they're all playing well. I just think Cleveland is capable of being clutch in certain moments. And if they can – the nice thing – so Cease tomorrow, if they can beat Savale – I think that's the key to the game, in my opinion. Like, Cease doesn't even have to be the Cease that he's been all year. He could give up three or four runs, and the White Sox could still win the game because Aaron Savale, he's a, Aaron Savale is one of those guys that has been a White Sox nightmare this season. Good pitcher having a tough year, play the White Sox and be their slump buster. Like, that. that's kind of been how it's gone all season long. And so if this new look White Sox team, whatever you want to call them, with Vaughn playing well, with Sheets, with Aloy, uh, Jose Abreu, Andrews, all these guys can hit against the Valley, then I think it'll be a good way for, you know, Cease to get rolling and be confident in his stuff and, you know, maybe not let a mistake feel as big in the game. 
I think that's the key to the series because then you go into game two with Lance Lynn going up against Tristan McKenzie. They've already faced each other once already this season, and McKenzie got the best of Lynn in that game. And it, it was a it's a game that you know can go any way. Um, then you get into that series finale. It kind of de- my feeling on it will depend on how the first two games go. Cueto going up against Bieber. The White Sox have beaten Bieber. They've been shut down by Bieber. That's kind of what happens when you have division rivals who are elite like that. So I guess we'll see how it goes. Um, and yeah, you saw that I wrote about that. You mentioned it, and you know we also had the article go up today that I wrote about Aaron Judge and. You know, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. An unrestricted free agent could sign with any team in the league. I believe that there is going to be huge news regarding the Chicago White Sox and their ownership group at the end of this season. And that could lead to big money being spent if the new owners decide that that's the way they want to go. There is a gaping hole in right field. And Aaron Judge has been one of the best at that position. He's been one of the best players in Major League Baseball history in terms of one season this year. And we will address that in Guaranteed Take. Masterful intro, Vinny. That was perfectly done. So first off, thank you for that. And secondly, this week's guaranteed take is what we just, what Vinny just talked about. You know, should the White Sox make a run at Aaron Judge in the offseason? And if so, what does that mega contract look like? Uh, Vinny, you brought up an interesting point about the ownership, which obviously is going to factor into this. Uh, but Eric, we could toss it to you first to, to, to talk about this. I never even thought about the ownership Thing that Vinny brought up, but uh, curious your thoughts on one, if the Sox will make a run, and two, if they do, what kind of contract is, is Judge looking at? I mean, I think the White Sox for sure should be involved. Um, what if they can pull it off? Different story, but I mean, the team is hurt for what I would say is a true star. No slight to Jose or Tim Anderson, but I'm talking like a major, major league top 10 player. Um, you know, the White Sox have 146 guaranteed last year with 196-ish spent this year. So $50 million available. The following year it goes down to like 138 The year after that it almost falls off a cliff at 63 So, like, there's money there even without necessarily an ownership money influx of being able to take on a big-time contract. Um Going to be 31 years old when he signs. The question would be, you know, how many years and how many dollars does it take it down, you know, or whatever. I'm, Major League Baseball teams are going to freak about anybody being in their 40s. I can tell you that. So you're looking at eight years and $40 million per. I mean, he could pull that. He could pull 320. It wouldn't surprise me on that type of deal. But I think where the White Sox stand in talking about fitting your needs, if it is an Otani, Aaron Judge has got to be it, right? It's got to be it. Oh, definitely. I'm looking – yeah, the chat The chat room seems to agree. Everyone, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, great, great call. And Vinny, real quick, we had a question in the chat for you. Don't know if you can uh, expand at all on this, but PZ wants to know, can you please expound on this ownership change thing? Yeah, my guy who I trust, the one who told me about Andrews, uh, amongst – various other things um the tony thing with his heart i joe 
I've texted you a lot. Uh, a deal with the Red Sox three hours before they traded for um, Deakman. I mean, I trust this guy, okay? And wink, wink, it wouldn't surprise me if there is an ownership change this offseason. It wouldn't shock me if they don't because it still comes from the same group. But I have a good feeling about it. And I just think that there's a chance that if they do make a change, they start taking this team a little more seriously. And Aaron Judge is one of those players that would show the world that you are taking it seriously. He is, as Eric mentioned, one of the very best players in the league. There was a point, in my opinion, where Abreu was a top 10 player in the American League. It's hard to argue that in 2020 he was anything but. And even in all the years where he was hitting 100 RBIs, I think from I think from 2012 to 2020, only Mr. Mike Trout had more total bases than Jose Abreu. And even this year, he leads the league in hits. A lot of them are little dinky singles that have, you know, we'd like to see more power from Jose this year. I would drop his um, I would drop his batting average by 20 points to get more power out of him personally. But you know, if you got a guy like Aaron Judge who can hit fourth, and then you put Jimenez third or fifth, or and then you got guys like Tim Anderson, Mancada, Robert hitting ahead of him in terms of like dudes who could just be contact hitters that bring in a little bit of power every now and then, Judge becomes that much more dangerous. The Yankees have a really good lineup. I really do like um, DJ LeMahieu and Anthony Rizzo and Josh Donaldson and Giancarlo Stanton when they're healthy. It's a great lineup, but I think the White Sox lineup with Judge in the middle of it and another year of Aloy, another year of Robert, if everyone's healthy, health will determine everything. Even Judge has had health problems in his career. Obviously, the last two years he's been on the field for the most part. But, like, this guy in the middle of this lineup playing at that stadium I think would really be intriguing. I don't know what the price tag's going to be. He is 31, so is he going to get a three? million dollar contract like Manny Machado or 320 like Bryce Harper I'm I'm not positive because of the age and some of the injury troubles but the dude's gonna break Roger Maris's single season American League home run record in five games max and it's it's an incredible player he's coming from the New York Yankees when players leave the New York Yankees it's arguably a bigger story than when they go there so I, I don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Judge, the Yankees and the Steinbrenners with Cashman. They're going to do everything they can to keep Aaron Judge. And there's an owner on the other side of town who can outbid any team in the league, Mr. Uncle Steve Cohen, who loves throwing copious amounts of money at people and doesn't care about luxury taxes or really the future. He's a Mr. Now present guy. And if you put Judge on that team with Lindor and – uh, Peter Alonso, and then you got the one-two of Scherzer. I don't. I think Degrom's going to leave. I don't think money's an issue for him. I think it's not wanting to play for the Mets anymore. But he, when Degrom leaves, what are they going to do? Go trade for like McClanahan or something? Because the Rays get rid of pitchers quickly. Or they'll, they'll trade for Glass now or something dumb like that. That'll make them even better. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a very interesting offseason for Aaron Judge. It wouldn't surprise me if things happen that allow the White Sox to actually have a seat at the table. Are you saying that Jeff Bezos is going to buy the White Sox? No. <laughs> also, it's Andy Janner. Got it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> real quick, PZ wants to know, Vinny, complete change or buy-in? Um, I, I wouldn't say complete change. 
Um, there, these people are definitely probably associated with the White Sox currently, but I'm not going to elaborate too much more just because of the fact that it's sure. not a guarantee. You know, Reinsdorf could very well own this team after the season. I have no clue how it would impact the Bulls or anything like that. Everything that's happening. And listen, none of this stuff is like truly breaking news because um, I can't remember if it was Nightingale or um, Heyman. One of them had a, a little tidbit in one of their articles one time yeah, that, that the White Sox might be for sale. But I'm telling you that none of that is not where there's smoke there's fire it may not happen this year it could be next year the year after obviously jerry's at an advanced stage that stuff's not breaking news either but don't be surprised love it Vinny. uh steven zimmerman let's get your thoughts on this guaranteed take are the white Sox going to be at the table fair and judge should they be well, at the table and what money should they throw at, at the them table. they're always at the table when are they not at the table it's kind of annoying how often they're at the table, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. The thing is, the Yankees have a real chance to get rid of him. They are an aging team. They pay a lot of money to these aging players. You know, you got Garrett Cole, over 30, $36 million. Giancarlo Stanton, over 30, $29 million. Josh Donaldson, over 35, $21 million. It keeps going like this for quite a ways. They have old players making lots of money. There's not an influx of young talent. I don't necessarily know that Aaron Judge would want to stay there long term because of the situation around him. Sure, they're the Yankees and they're going to acquire talent. They always do. But what's to stop him from going to a team where he can be not a face, but the face. And that's not to say that he isn't the face of the Yankees because he absolutely is right now. But does he see it that way? You know, so that's something that I kind of think about with all of this, especially if the Yankees go out and, and bring in uh, the next young big guy in three or four years, whoever that may be. Whereas he could live out his glory days, you know, on the north side being the face of the Chicago Cubs. He could be the face of, I'm trying to think of another team that would spend that kind of money on him. Um, the Cardinals. Cardinals. I don't know if he'd be the face with Arenado there. He would be yeah. a face again. You know what I, I mean? I've heard the Giants name mentioned. The yeah, Giants. he would be the face of the Giants for sure. So... I mean, that's something that I think is really going to play into his mind. I think he absolutely will get at minimum a six-year deal. Minimum. I think that if he takes a six-year deal is him taking several different options and really just maximizing the upfront money um, and potentially even trying to get another contract out of that in three or four years. Whereas a team like the White Sox is going to want to bring him in Long-term, I feel like they're going to want to bring him in in that eight to 10 year range. Like Eric was saying, do you really want to go to 10? Well, with the DH, you actually might with a guy who's having a career year at 30 years old. It's worth thinking about when you consider the history of guys in Chicago at that position. You know, they've had older guys with lots of success at the DH position. You know, Paul Konerko at the end of his career did a lot of DHing. Uh, Jim Tomey was a DH until he was old, and he even went and played more seasons after that elsewhere. Uh, 
the big hurt who is, you know, of course, probably the most famous white Sox player to date. The white Sox do definitely fit the mold or rather I should say judge fits the mold for the white Sox. It's a matter of whether or not he wants to come to Chicago because I don't think they're necessarily going to outbid anybody, but I do think that if they do make him an offer, it will be a very competitive, like I said, probably an eight year deal, probably two player options at the end of it um, at minimum, if, if not more lots of guaranteed money up front, you know, a front loaded contract for sure. Um, Cause that just benefits the white Sox and it ensures that judge is happy and getting paid if he does it. And I would guess, I mean, based on what we've seen happening, Maybe not Mike Trout money, but definitely Mookie Betts money. Yeah, he's he's getting a shit ton of money. I don't think there's any doubting that. The um, question is whether it's three hundred and fifty or four hundred million dollars. <laughs> and I think you I think you split the middle there. I think it's closer to three seventy five, three eighty, but we'll see. Right, and again, it also it also boils down to the length of the contract. You're not going to see sure. four hundred million dollars over eight years. That's fifty million dollars a year. That that's absurd. He's worth a lot, but not that. Well, they would certainly get him if they made him that offer. <laughs> yeah, but I think you could see something like somebody offering three years, three years, one fifty. Yeah, I definitely think he could do it on a shorter deal. Yeah, but yeah, I don't if, think... he was, if he was trying to break AAV records, I could see him right. taking huge, huge money for a short span. And to your point, but I'm sure he's going to try to lock up as many years as he can. Right. But... I don't see the White Sox being that. I don't see him taking any kind of deal that's got any sort of team options on it. Um, he's at a point in his career, especially after this, where he's not only set to break records, but set to win a triple crown if he can keep it up, um, which is something that only legendary players do. I mean, and people might try yeah. to argue that Miguel Cabrera is not legendary for whatever reason, but he is. Um, and that's all there is to it. He's one of the greats in the game, and Aaron Judge will etch his name right there next to him if he can pull off the same. Nobody's won the Triple Crown since Cabrera, and nobody won it before Cabrera in 50 years. Well, Cabrera yeah. technically didn't win a Triple Crown. He did tie in the RBI total with a certain first baseman in Chicago, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Wait, yeah. are you sure about that? I'm almost positive he tied the RBI total. It might have been the home run total, but he tied one of the totals. I did not realize that, if that's true. I mean, I, Joe, do you mind if I ask a question? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Any concerns that the fact that this is his free agent year and he's absolutely just balling out and he signs a eight-year, $350 million contract and all of a sudden, like maybe extra BP going through the motions a little bit now that it's all done. Do you ever notice how, like in free agent years, Elvis Andrews all of a sudden coming to play for a new contract absolutely can't miss when he was average for the A's? Like, is there any concern that his next gig he coast? I think that concern is always going to be there. Um it certainly helps that he's going to be in a hitter's park if he were to be here. I mean, I, I, I think that'd be great. But, um, yeah, that concern's always going to be there. But right now the White Sox are looking to get a, a superstar player that can help them take a next step. And I think judges that, regardless if he's hitting over 300 with 50 
blank bombs right. or or he's got you know i mean even if he had 30 home runs he'd still probably lead this team right what's the what's the leader on the yeah don't get me wrong aaron judge's coast is fine for the white Sox. it's just fine but i was just you know just a little curious. no it's a, it's a great question it's a great question and i think it's one that needs to be asked and i'm sure the white Sox will ask themselves internally that question too probably have a lot of meetings with judge to determine his character but um gonzo i mean i'm curious your thoughts on that and then secondly, you know, how Judge would fit in the culture of this clubhouse. But even when you go back to the history with the injuries, I think that would concern me just as much as his uh, contract year that Eric just brought up. So, but again, if you're going to have that ownership that Vinny's talking about, that buy-in, um, if you're going to spend that money, there's many ways you can go about it here with our Arenado or Trey Turner. There's so many, you know, guys out there, hopefully – likely come in this off season. Again, if the Cardinals let Arenado go, there's definitely a lot of superstars in that market, potential superstars in the market that you can go after if you're going to spend that money. Um, but uh, yeah, another thing um, for Eric here is if the, uh, <laughs> if you're going to spend that money, I would at least hope the MLB bring some of those juice baseballs to Chicago so you can, whack them out because we've seen a lot of dead balls this season here yeah um i'm not sure i don't know what the advanced metrics are on the barrels that judge has had and how many of them did die on the warning track versus leaving the yard um but it's just something that was aggravating to see here in chicago at least um but yeah i mean i, I want eric to at least take another glass of uh whiskey because if you do if the Sox do spend that money does that mean are they going to trade your Grandal out of here for potential Murphy? And are you willing to give up draft prospects, prospects in this organization to make it work for the superstars coming in? How do you trade um, Grandal for anything? You might get yeah, a bag of potato chips for him, but. Well, you might have to give up a guy yeah. like Montgomery, and that's why I want Eric to take a take a glass yeah i mean i'm I'm never i know you and i went rounds about this but i'm never (laughs) trading montgomery for murphy to have to eat grandal's contract for only two more controllable years of murphy than grandal like i just i don't understand that move um now getting rid of your favorite one of your favorite players makata to welcome over nolan at third base that lineup looks a whole lot different in the slugging potential having nolan playing third base versus having makata playing third base like That'd be ideally my first order of business would be getting the $48 million. Makata's got coming off of the books before I'd worry about anything else. Why don't we just trade the whole team and all of the prospects for all the biggest stars in the game? <laughs> right? That'd be ideal. That'd be ideal. That'd be ideal. That'd be ideal. I mean, I, I don't mean I don't mean to jab at it, but it's just you're absolutely right in the sense of like, yeah, if you want to go after big superstar guys, it's gonna cost a lot. And it just doesn't make sense for this team. But not only is it um, going to cost a lot, you got to make, take money out of the books too. Well, no, yes. no, no one's going to be a free agent. He's opting out. He's a free agent just like Joe. Oh, he is. Yeah, that's he's right. He did. That's a player so, opt out with a very bad contract because he's got like only guaranteed fifteen million on the end. He's yeah, because the Rockies, the Rockies really heavily front loaded that contract. He got yes. some like sixty five million up front. Yeah, so he'll be a, technically a free agent along the same lines as Judge. So he's just a viable deal. Okay. Now is 
along this free agency talk, we're towards the end of the season. I think it's totally fair to have these discussions. Um, what's the deal with Otani? I feel like I heard something about that, but wouldn't he still have controllable years or arbitration or something? Next year's is he, this is it. One more year. Is that be, one more year. He'll have 20. Now, is that because of the way the international signing works? Okay. That was a contract they signed. He's got one more controllable year, but I'm sure Vay knows more about this than I do, but they're they're going through an ownership change, it sounds like, too. So it depends on yeah. does a new owner want to start from the ground one or does he try to want to make a run with Otani and Trout? What's the new ownership look like there? Right. They're going to end up trading Otani, I think, either during the offseason or next season. They were this close to trading him this season. The White Sox... That, see, now that's... White Sox were at the table. <laughs> here's the thing, Jim. You're, you're right. It sounds so stupid to say. That's a player Jerry would play, pay for, from yes. what I've been told. And they almost did. Now, almost is the White Sox mantra, but that is a player that wouldn't require an ownership change, in my opinion. Because... He's cheap. Everybody knows it. Whatever. They have seventh highest payroll. We call our owner cheap. I get it. They spend the yeah. money on the wrong players. But Otani, you get a pitcher and a hitter. You know, you it's like a bargain in a way. You get 10 war. Five of it is for a pitcher. Five of it is for a hitter. And that's a guy the White Sox would trade for. I also, do you trade for him, wait out the year and see if you could throw the bag at him after that because it's going to take everything to get him. I don't think the Angels are going to keep that much payroll. I just don't. With a new owner coming in, why, why would you? That's a bad business decision, especially when you've gone. They were eliminated from postseason contention today. And yeah. that's eight straight seasons without the playoffs for the Angels. And they've all included Trout. And what, four of them have included Otani? Five of them have included Otani? Definitely so. not what he signed up for, Vinny. No. He wanted to be yeah. all. And he if you're talking like – So you're, you're saying next year it looks like the White Sox might need a top-of-the-rotation type guy, might need like some left-handed power that can maybe play right field. Oh, wait, there's one guy that can do all that? Like it makes yeah. perfect sense having him, having him on the White Sox. In a way, Otani is – He's Lance Lynn and Eloy put into one player. He is. He absolutely is. I would love to see the White Sox go after him. I just don't know that they could pay what he costs. And Billy Hamilton, because he could steal bases. Not a lot of people talk about his ability to steal bases as well. The White Sox, if they sign Otani or Judge, they will be on more national television games than you've ever seen. If they get either one of those guys. All right. Uh, if Rick Hahn is listening, we just laid out the offseason plan here. All right. Uh, Sign Aaron Judge for three years, <laughs> $150 million. Sign Nolan Arenado for, uh, I don't know, we'll call it four years player option, $125 million, and trade for Otani. I think the Cubs are going to get Otani. Probably. They got Suzuki out there to, to, create familiarity between the Japanese leagues and and they they've had Fukudome they've they they've been in they have a really good relationship with Japanese players yes absolutely in a way to like the White Sox do with Cuban players it's historic it's impressive you know I like White Sox have a history with Japanese players what the White Sox have a history with Japanese players 
Yeah, I mean, they, uh, Tadahito Aguchi, Tadahito Aguchi, Kosuke Fukudome, Shingo Tatsu, Shingo Tatsu, Shingo. That's right. And yeah, if we yeah. and if you do have if you do have an ownership switch, a majority owner, which sounds like maybe you're talking about, like maybe they want to bring in a whole new uh, coast to the marketing deal. No. sucks. Maybe that's an approach. Yep. Here's a move that I think very much is on the table. Just talking all this out. And as I think of it, it just makes perfect sense. If the Yankees do lose Aaron judge, I think that they pull out all the stops for Shohei Otani. I agree. I yeah, think Shohei to the Yankees makes so much sense. You guys yeah. want to throw up? You guys want to throw up in your mouth? Yeah. How much money do you think Otani's making this year? Not enough. Yeah. Isn't it like 24 million? I want to say the same as Josh Harrison, five and a half. Holy oh. shit. Yep. I knew it wasn't much. That's all that same as Josh Harrison and same as Leora Garcia, by the way. You want to well, talk about a guy who's getting the bag? $500,000 for every war. Shohei Otani. <laughs> Shohei Otani is going to break records. He might be the first half billion dollar baseball player. I mean, I don't even understand the economics that well, but he pays for himself too. Just in marketing and in media and in deals and structures like he – Part of his contract is paid by just who he is. The Angels make so much money off of the country of Japan. Right. Like, like, like I've noticed even at when the White Sox play the Angels, there are Angels fans in Otani jerseys surrounding the ballpark. And it's like, unlike any other team, the Angels suck. And if you look yeah. at their attendance when Otani's pitching, it's incredibly advanced compared to when okay. he's not pitching and he's not even he's technically not statistically this year he's probably been their best pitcher but they have other okay pitchers in their rotation right but but it's uh, because oh. it's because regardless of, his, of what he does on the field what he does off the field is more important and he is the biggest player in baseball since the steroid era I mean, we have been force-fed Mike Trout for the last decade, who has got to be the most boring superstar I've ever seen, only because he just does the same thing all the time. And yeah, it's super great for his numbers. It's super great for his career. It's super great for his bank account. But as a fan of baseball, <laughs> as a fan of baseball, I find Mike Trout so boring. He is he is boring. And listen, Shohei's Josh not. Shohei's not boring. He is no. the face of baseball right now, and he's doing something we've never seen before. And it's just – that's what he brings to any franchise that he goes to, and that's why I say it's what he does off the field that's so important that the Angels are going to miss more than anything that I think an ownership change would really regret in the long run if they, if and when they do get rid of him. question is, is it and sustainable for to be that two-way athlete? And that's – an. Excellent point, because genuinely, I remember having conversations for a long time about, well, let's see if he can sustain it. Let's see if he can do it again. Yeah, his rookie season was really cool, but can he do it two years in a row? What's the league going to do once they see him again? And then now it's been four years. And, and in this fourth year, people are finally saying this is legit. You know, and whether you agree with it or not, um, again, it, it remains to be seen if he can continue. But the guy can hit. The guy can hit. And that's a fact. better hitter than pitcher 
and this yeah. year he's been a better pitcher than hitter. Judge leads in home runs, uh, RBIs, a batting average, OPS, all the top offensive stats that we use in baseball. Judge leads in them all kind of by a lot, and we're not positive he's going to win the MVP because of Otani. It is yeah, extraordinary, insane. though, because, like, yeah, you look at the length of the average player and their experience in the MLB. It's just becoming shorter now than what it used to be. And not only you have to go up against that with your experience in the league, but it's a two-edged sword because the league is taking notice and looking at him on the mound, but also on the flip side of that, him at the plate and the zones that he has to go up against. Um, it's going to be extraordinary if he can sustain as a two-way player in this sure. game. Yeah, I'll make, nice. I'll make I'll make one Great. last point, then I'll uh, let you guys go. But talking about breaking the bank for a guy, like what's the worst-case yeah. scenario towards the end of a Taylor career? You make him a DH and a closer? I mean, what's what's the absolutely the worst-case scenario to prolong his career, right? You just say, hey, you're a DH, and I'm going to use you to close some games. Or a high leverage bullpen situation. Wow. I was gonna say you yeah. might not even have him as a closer. You might you might just say, All right, we need to give the bullpen a break for a day. We got this Otani guy who used to pitch. Put him in. Yeah, there. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. gonna say you for the playoffs and I'm gonna use you as an opener, you know, or whatever in the playoffs, yeah. and I'm gonna have you DH and just do that way I can afford this end of this contract that you're gonna break records for. Yeah, I like that. I just to Chris's point about the longevity of the whole thing. You know, I'm following that up, Eric. Guys, who is who is the man when we were kids? Who who was the player that we all looked up to? Uh, that could differ for everybody. I don't in, know, the White Sox. In, you mean? In, there was the White Sox or in general. In general, there was one name that all the kids around the MLB Ken knew. Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. He was the man. His sure. his career got derailed by injuries several times. He was there were there were times, especially when he was on the Reds, where people were wondering, like, is he going to keep going? Can he sustain it after this? And he did. And that's what happens when you get these generational kind of players, which is, you know, I'm I might eat my words in in two years, but Otani appears to be one of those. So if he truly is one of those guys, it won't matter. He got Tommy John and still hit. Yeah. I was going to say, the, the game really has changed from back in Griffey's days till now. Oh, certainly. Um, I'm not like, doubting that by any means. Just to go back to his you know, ethnicity, you saw a, a guy like Etrio put so much you know, time in his career, and we still bring up the fact that he spent so much time overseas originally where he could have just been so much more statistically better. Um <clears throat> Just been sensational, really. If he if he began his career in the MLB, and, and, and we're talking about one of the best hitters of all time in Ichiro, and mm -hmm. I think he's in that conversation. That he's, he was just that right. good. Yeah, he's just that good. Again, it's just can can Otani sustain this in today's era where the MLB experience is dipping? Well, so. we're gonna find out. I mean, one way or another, whether he's on the Sox or not, we're gonna find out. And I'm totally glad to be along for the ride. I was really skeptical at first, but I love that we started this conversation about Aaron Judge and wound up talking about whether or not Shohei Otani is going to play for the White Sox or not. <laughs> hey man, but I tell you what, you know who did play for the White Sox and all of that? Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr., right? <laughs> we can get any one of these guys into Chicago. 
There you go. Anything can happen. It just might be 15 years from now. <laughs> hey, that's the point. That's the whole guaranteed take. We had a great debate about it. We we went from should Judge be in town to how can we get Otani. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Hopefully White Sox ownership is watching the show, although I doubt it. But we do know that White Sox Public Relations watches the show every once in a while. So if you are, thanks for tuning in. But uh, gentlemen, we had one hell of a show tonight. Uh, and I don't think we could have said that much if we didn't have our very special guest, Eric Wilson. Uh, Eric, we cannot thank you enough for being with us all night, uh, bringing us the insight, the statistics, and pretty much everything that everyone would want to know about all these players and all these stats. So uh, first off, thank you for being with us all night. You were a dynamite guest. And secondly, why don't you tell people a little bit about the Rays Juke Joint podcast uh, whatever else you have going on, and uh, you have the floor, my friend. Yeah, I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. It was a great time. You know, whatever. Can never get too boring talking about White Sox baseball. Yeah, uh, Rage You Joint Podcast. Um, we're on Twitter, and we record weekly. We do White Sox stuff uh, headed by me. Uh, Elise Davis does our Bears stuff or whatever, and Ray knows everything and everybody. You guys had him on and one of the best men out there or whatever. So Ray's our commander-in-chief, and uh, we follow his lead. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, no doubt, man. And, you know, hopefully we can have you on again for a deep, a deep playoff run, man. Uh, we'll see what happens. The statistics aren't necessarily on our side, but anything can happen in baseball. Uh, you've been an awesome guest, and we can't thank you enough. Make sure you give Eric a follow at Suited Fours. Uh, give the, the Ray's Juke Joint uh, podcast Twitter account a follow as well which I'm trying to find. I always forget the handle for that. Um, I just had it on my page. Can you remind me what the handle is, uh, Eric, for the race? Yeah, F- FTBC22. F-T-B-C Thank you, FTBC22. Yep. Shoot them a follow. Of course, uh, you can follow our buddy Ray the Barber as well. And, I mean, uh, friend of the show and uh, great White Sox content all around. Love what you guys are doing. Keep it up, Eric. Um, thank you for being with us. Uh, we'll we'll let you go so you can get back to your life. Thank you for giving us an hour and a half plus of your time. You've been awesome, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch soon. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, gentlemen. All right, Eric. Have a great night, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Guys, Eric, unbelievable guest. Knows his stuff for sure. The statistics that he just knows are unbelievable. I mean, those stat guys out there, they always know their stuff. And, And, Chris, thanks for getting Eric to come on the show today. No problem. I mean, he's one of those guys that just uh, follows our trend of uh, not sugarcoating anything, keeping it real. And, uh, I mean, he's just 100% tells it how it is. And uh, he's a great co-host or host when he's out there on the spaces that they run and uh, even a good listen to on that podcast of theirs. No doubt about it, boys. And we made it to the end of the show. Time for the shout-outs. Before we get there, I want to thank – our guest, Eric, of course, he was dynamite. Make sure you give him a follow at Suited Fours. And I want to thank everyone in the chat room. We had a lot of people from the space come in here tonight, Gonzo. So, you know, thank you to everyone like Ray and Vision. And, you know, we got our buddy PZ in there. And I can't name everybody, Joseph Walker, you name it. We had all kinds of names in there. We had some crazy comments. It was a lot of fun. So thank you to the chat room in general. But Gonzo, we'll let you get things started with the shout outs. Yeah, I'm going to begin with the one and only, my girlfriend, Soraya, my true supporter. 
Um, love it uh, lately with her being able to reach out to me and tell me how she, she has enjoyed the shows lately as she's been listening to every minute of the every, every show and it's been it's been wild to hear because when we were first dating it, she'd only listen to the shout outs so now that uh she's listened to the whole show it's crazy that she'll listen to us talk for an hour and a half to two hours every monday night um but again i'm gonna uh shout out uh eric once again um that's the guy that I mean, I told them in the group chat that I'm under the weather, but I can't miss Eric on here, bring him on. Um, he was just spectacular. Um, again, starts. I think we start with Justin and then Ray and Eric. Um, hopefully we can have him this, even this offseason, to break down this off uh, offseason with free agency. That'll be fun to have him as well. Um, but all together, great guy, great platforms that they have. Um and to the chat, people that came in, uh, Vision, which is Dre. Dre's another guy in those spaces, great dude. Um, and we saw Ray the Barber in the chat as well. Um, I'm sure that they were also, I mean, they might have not been in the in the YouTube spaces or on our comments, but I'm sure everybody was listening on that side of it with spaces in their podcast. Um, great group overall. You even saw Braggs in there. Shout out to Braggs. Cubs fan listens to some White Sox stuff. He's... He's a low-key White Sox fan that we like to see. Um, other than that, uh, I'm going to wrap it up. That's uh, that's my shout-outs. All right, buddy. Thank you, sir. Steven Zim Zimmerman, what do you got for shout-outs? As Braggs would say, you know, they're, they're still in the area, so it counts, right? <laughs> uh-huh. uh, no, lots of – I don't know. Shout-out to Vinny for, uh, for taking it on the chin while I'm beating him down in fantasy right now. It was, it was a good week. Uh, sorry about that. Beating me down. You got lucky that one of your players got 50-something points. Tyreek Hill. <laughs> uh, you have you seen smoke have, had he had a, uh, If he had a good week, you would have got smoked. Have you seen what Jalen Hurts did tonight? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After my tight end put up a big fat goose egg on top of it, it was uh, – it was a nerve-wracking week for sure. I thought I was going to have to come on this and, and listen to Vinny, but instead I get to chirp at him a little bit. <laughs> but no, um, you know, and, and shout out to Joe for um, for organizing our league, for doing his fantasy show. Um, I'm not going to shout him out for putting together our fantasy team that represents our podcast and Ray's well, league. That, that team took a shit. That that team is full of injuries and underperformers left and right. It's the gamble you make with fantasy football. And speaking of gambling, shout out to Tooch, John Santucci, who has been running his uh, uh, handicapping show lately. And seems like he's had some, some good luck this past week or so. So shout out to him. Keep it rolling. And... You know, been talking to him a lot about the odds and stuff and, and how that actually affects the games and, and what that means for some of these teams. And I know the athletes don't look at it, but it's interesting to see a different side of the game. So if you're kind of bored with your game or your your sports watching experience and want to look at it from a different angle, um, you know, you don't have to put money on it to enjoy it by any means. But learning the way that handicapping works has definitely been an interesting experience for me. So. Um, that's about it for me. And, uh, I'll, I'll throw it on over to, I guess, Vinny's up next. Yes, he is. Vinny, you're up, buddy. Shout out my girlfriend, Katie. I love you very much. Um, mom, dad, Joey, of 
course. Um, Frankie Mueller, my co-host on Bar Down Talking Hockey. We are just three weeks away from the National Hockey League season getting underway on October 11th. Tomorrow, no, not tomorrow. Bad with days, bad with math, bad in general. Wednesday, we will preview the Atlantic Division of the National Hockey League. We did the Pacific on last week's episode, so make sure that you go and listen to that. Uh, it's really starting to get going. The prospects around the league just all finished their little prospect challenges. The Chicago Blackhawks did one with the Minnesota Wild this weekend, and they went one and one, had some nice showings from prospects. Obviously, my Devils went one, one and one, playing their three games in a six-team prospect challenge. It's kind of interesting how like the teams join these little challenges and participate with the prospects. And now training camp starts next week. Uh, the Blackhawks have – Multiple preseason games coming up literally next week. Uh, every team in the league does as well. I know most people watching this are probably Blackhawks fans if they enjoy hockey. But, you know, every team in the league gets preseason starting soon, and that'll be going quicker than you know. I got a lot of content coming up hockey-wise, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. Indeed, most wonderful time of the year. You got hockey and football. Life is good. You got playoff baseball, which Vinny will be talking about on all of those shows. So make sure you check those out. Uh, great stuff coming up on the Barroom Network this week. There always is. I can't even keep up with how much stuff is going on. You got Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. You got Greg Gabriel talking Bears football. Uh, you had Bear football cover that atrocious Bear game yesterday. Uh, fantasy football, Goon. I talked fantasy yesterday. There's a lot of crazy fantasy stuff going on tonight. Jalen Hurts, Stephon Diggs, just blowing people's lineups up to the moon. So uh, I was fortunate enough to in one of our leagues just absolutely smoked the shit out of Gonzo with, with Stefan Diggs today. So I just wanted to remind him about that while we're on the air. The four of us played each other. Like what are the odds of that happening? Uh, you know, it is what it is. This is a different league. This wasn't the barroom league. This is my own oh. league. Got it. It's the bigger money league. I might add that I'm smoking Gonzo. So I just want to point that out. Um, <laughs> don't worry. That's also the same league that went back to back. I was just about to say, Gonzo's the back-to-back champ in that league, and I'm he's gonna, about I'm to be get one my, and one. I'm about to get my revenge, but I also do play Joe again in the barroom league next week. So I don't know. Yeah, how well, that it team is that, that we team needs spoke. some help. I got to fix that team, but that team does need some help, man. I tell you what, hit me up uh, when we're off the air, and I probably won't help you out. All right. All right, I figured as much. So I appreciate that. Shout out to you for not making the trade with me. Um, but no, get into my shout outs. I, of course, got a shout out, Eric. Great guest tonight, Dynamite Show. And uh, all three of you guys, it's great to have you all on the show together. You know, Zim, Vinny, Gonzo, appreciate you boys always. Love talking White Sox baseball. It's kind of crazy that depending on how the Sox play the next week or, or so, we may only have two more shows left. We'll see how it goes. Um, the likelihood of that continues with every Guardians win. So we'll see what happens. But uh, nonetheless, it's been a ball talking White Sox baseball with you guys all year. I have my option to buy playoff tickets tomorrow, and I'm not going to buy them. So that shows you how confident I am. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to regret it if they don't do it, but uh, it is what it is. I'm probably going to pass. Um, anyway, getting back to my shout-outs. Uh, Shout-out to my beautiful wife, Catherine, our baby girl, Audrey, and my great Dane Maverick who is asleep behind me on the floor. Um, so uh, I love you all very much. Uh, you're my whole world. Uh, I am very excited that, you know, we will be closing on our new house here in uh, less than two weeks. So I'm getting very excited for that. Uh, can't wait for that to happen. 
Um, and just shout out to the whole Barroom Network as a whole. Uh, you guys put out great content the last week. Always, all year long, but especially the last week with the start of the football season, it's been absolutely dynamite. Um, don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you're on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast version, anything like that. Uh, hit the subscribe button. We appreciate your support. So it means a lot. We love you guys, and we thank you for tuning in every single week. Uh, also, a quick shout-out to Mike North. Uh, he's been having some folks on from every show each morning on his betting show on Sundays to preview some of the other shows in the network. Uh, surprise, gentlemen, I'll be making an appearance on Mike North's show next Monday or next Sunday morning, I think 8 a.m. Central. I'll be talking about both South Burb Sitman and Fantasy Football Goon, a uh, little double whammy, double dip. So I'll be hanging out with Uncle Mike, talking some gambling, talking about uh, the Bears game, all that fun stuff. So uh, shout out to Mike North and Aldo and everyone else here on the network. That was a long-winded shout-out, but I finally got to the end of it. The Monday Night Football games are crazy tonight, boys. Uh, I think the Buffalo Bills are the real deal. Yes, I'm putting some football at the end of this. Um, The Buffalo Bills are insane. Tennessee Titans are definitely not the team that they were. I got to talk some football because I just have to. It's on my mind. No, but they're they're still good enough to be impressed by the Bills beating them by 30. And the, 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 Bills held- are, the Bills are 2-0, and and they've beaten the Rams, who are the defending Super Bowl champion, and the Titans, who are the defending number one seed in the AFC. That is insane how good the Bills are. They just held Derrick Henry to 25 rushing yards. It's Oh, my God. That's <laughs> unbelievable. And so- the Philadelphia Eagles, they're a Super Bowl contender as far as I'm concerned going forward, too. I thought the Vikes were the real deal. They got me in week one. That's that's what I get for ever having faith in an NFC North team. I still think that. Well, the, well look at this. Right? There's a three-way tie for first place in the uh, NFC North. Just saying. Yeah. The, when it comes to Kirk Cousins versus teams above 500, it's just not a friendly record you want to see. So they can continue to pay the guy who will continue to choke. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you see why Philly – Philly's going to be – Quite the team this season. They got a lot of talent on that roster. Also, um, want to point out too that Detroit is a lot better than people think. They gave Philly a run last week. Detroit looked amazing yesterday. Yes. Uh, Their this division line is very good. The NFC again, North is, is going to be a good division. Just want to say that. Again, the Lions are going to have to rely on the guy that they traded for when they trade Stafford away, and that's Goff. Not sure how much trust you can have in him. That's a team that you also want to uh, – are probably are disappointed that they passed on fields ultimately. Um, but, hey, they're going to have to show a lot. It is a revamped offense that they have in Detroit. Um, it's just unfortunate, the quarterback that they have. Um, but, yeah, that Bills well, team that we were talking about, that roster is completely stacked. They should be representing the AFC this season. And for more talk on football – <laughs> Tune in tomorrow yeah. night to Dan and Aldo bear their souls. They're gonna definitely gonna be talking some football on there. Probably be talking yeah, some raunchier crap too after two weeks off from the regular sort of show. So, and I was saying in the spaces yet before that Sunday night football game started that the Bears will likely win that game if they can control the run game of the Packers and they feed the ball to Monty. And I don't know why that first drive he had four carries for thirty eight yards, averaging eight a pop. Why you go away from that is beyond me. 
that game could be completely different if you just kept feeding him and limiting the possessions that Rodgers has, eating up time of possession. It's just infuriating, to say the least, because um, we also yeah. happened down the stretch there in that game. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't fun. I turned it off mid third quarter. To be it's honest, it's uh, it's time for the Texans. We're I'm done with that game. Yeah, <laughs> yep. we're gonna forget time all about for it. Texans. We're gonna move on. And you Don't. better believe that Lovey's gonna have that team ready to play. I'm sure it's gonna be a close game. I feel the Bears will win still, but it's uh not one to look away from. For sure. And there's plenty of football coverage all week on the Borrow Network, as Zim alluded to. Dan and Aldo Bear, their souls will be covering it tomorrow. You got Greg Gabriel talking football, bear football, you name it. This network will cover the football. And for help with those fantasy lineups, tune in Sunday morning to Fantasy Football Goon. <clears throat> Mike North is on at 8 a.m. You got the Barfly Tailgate Show, I believe that's on at 9 a.m. You got Fantasy Football Goon coming in at 10.45 a.m. Sunday mornings are packed on the Barroom Network. Don't forget to subscribe. With that said, we are the South Burbs Hitmen, and the South Burbs Hitmen with a little bit of football flair at the end of the show. That's all right. A ton of fun. We're changing it up a little bit. We're going to keep it under the two-hour mark, gentlemen. We had a great show. It didn't go two hours. It almost did, but not quite. I can keep talking for another eight minutes to see if we can get the two hours, but I'm not going to do that. Um, with that said, for the South Burbs Hitmen, I'm Joe Mandel. The guy in the black room below is Steven Zim Zimmerman. The guy who can fit in my pocket on the right, that's Chris Gonzalez. And below him in the Red Devils jersey and hat is Vinny Parisi. We appreciate you guys always for tuning in. Let's go White Sox and let's beat the Guardians. Let's do it. Let's get out of here. <laughs>